This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Hi, and welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name's Martine, and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First, we talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help, and then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guest to read the AA preamble, which is read at the beginning of every AA meeting. My name is Ute and I am an alcoholic. AA preamble. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. So, what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model, and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you're an alcoholic, you're at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions, or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and to admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it's an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. This makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics, that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. 
this program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who's just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. We're just about to interview an AA member who is going to share their experience with alcoholism. So let's meet our guest. I wonder if you'd like to introduce ourselves and give us a quick sketch of who you are. My name is Ute and I am an alcoholic. I am uh, from Germany. We emigrated to New Zealand in 2005, so I am having the New Zealand citizenship. So education, I am a bank officer with master degree, and uh, at the moment I am semi-retired. I am 62 years old, and um, what else can I say? I'm still alive. (laughs) <laughs> and as is the most important thing. For sure. Are you married? Do you have children? Oh, sure. I am married. Um, and I do have one son and one foster daughter. Mm-hmm. And what was your childhood like growing up? So childhood, like, I was born in 1959. Okay, so uh, shortly after the Second World War, we had shortages everywhere. And uh, quite a a strict upcoming. So with a lot of respect, uh, we have to to follow rules Mm -hmm. and rules and rules. There was not a big laugh going on, no huggings and kissing or something, you know, what you see these times, what moms and dads do. We just wear the kids and we had to do what the parents said and uh, we lived even with my grandmother together. So we were three generation and this was tough. Right. So can you tell us when you started drinking, so your first drink and how it progressed? I am struggling to point it really down to an to a date, you know, I grew up, alcohol was always around right. me. So my parents, they were drinking. And, uh, you know, we grew up with, with having a beer on a Saturday night, a little mm-hmm. glass. This was totally normal in this area of farmland and stuff, you yeah. know, and you do your own cider and stuff. So we grew up with that. Right. And... um. So I I would say perhaps four years old when I was first introduced to alcohol. Right. Yeah. So so pretty young. Oh, yeah. So can you take us to a time where you felt that that it was a problem? It got a problem, not through my teenage age. Mm -hmm. It uh, haunted me down later because there was not really money to buy alcohol. Right. We were not in groups outside having parties and fun. So it started when I was really starting living my own life. Right. When I got married with 20, yeah, 21, 22 years old. And you are not under the, you know, with the family. Mm. So, and then you start social drinking. So with wine, 
Yeah. And and this was then the start of drinking. And I realized, sadly, that if I had my first drink, it was really so hard for me to stop. Yeah. It was like something is really urging in your body and you need more and more and you can't stop. So yeah. I have to say I was always a very fast drinker. Right. Fast, fast drinker. And yeah, got me to nowhere. <laughs> so it was it was when you're actually able to supply yourself that yeah. you realized that um, yeah. that you were maybe drinking a lot faster. Yeah. Than, yeah. Well, and faster and you also couldn't stop as well. Mm-hmm. So you're in your 20s? I, I would say so, 20s, yeah, when it really started um, being normal, you know, yeah. having... Uh, Going to work, coming home at five o'clock, sitting down, relaxation time, having a beer or even having then later on a wine when it was affordable. Yeah. And uh, this was happening every day. Yeah. Seven days a week. And my drinking time was five o'clock. Yeah. So I didn't drink before. I started at five. Yeah. And for sure, it was always interesting because cooking and stuff, there was always the bottle of red wine yeah. <laughs> beside me. And I think not too much went into the meal. <laughs> <laughs> I had the most of it. <laughs> yeah. So so when did you realize it was a problem? So you knew that you were drinking faster, but it must have come to a, to a point where... It was. I was uh, a member of the union there. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got trained up uh, for our colleagues, you know, if they have problems with uh, the alcohol and stuff that you could help them out. So we got trained and we had to attempt uh, seminars and uh, visiting uh, even clinics and stuff like that. We mm-hmm. had talked to uh, doctors and even people who are working with uh, alcoholics. And then I really thought that my drinking was not normal. Right. That uh, this can't be normal. Yeah. And I thought, and I said to myself, I am not an alcoholic yet, but I am on the best way. And I openly spoke about that with other colleagues and stuff. Wow. Okay. So because I said, oh, I'm not quite sure. So we have to have a look at it. And I always thought that I have to oh, control myself. Yeah. You know, knowing that, that there is something not right. Yeah. I started controlling myself. And uh, there was times, you know, I think nobody knew that I was drinking. I never missed out one day at work. Yeah. I was normal in front of my husband everything my my family had no idea i was a good actor i could yeah you you didn't know it you know because i had to put all my energy into place to be the nice normal ute and um this takes quite a lot of quality out of your life and the way you see life and um, you get uh, restless, you get depressive, you get, you're just, you are not yourself anymore. Yeah. 
and you are digging your own hole and this poor me thing is overwhelming. Yeah. And because you do not want to talk to anybody, <laughs> they really think, <laughs> I don't know what she, what's the problem with her, you know? Yeah. But it is really that you get uh, unfair to people and f what most important, unfair to my husband. Yeah. Unfair to my son. Yeah. Not there for them. I just was living for myself. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, starting drinking. Oh, you know, there was always a reason. You know, it's it's interesting to see that. If there was something what was not going well, then I could open up uh, uh, a bottle like the 9-11 when this happens. The first thing after I saw it, it was going to the fridge, opened up a bottle and was drinking this whole bottle in one gulp. Yeah. Because I was so shocked. I had to, I don't know, just <sighs> calm me down. Yeah. And the situations, you know, I was starting drinking way more often because I was not feeling well, sad. Not because I had to celebrate some cool, cool and good stuff. No, it came more and more. And I was then uh, a very lonely drinker. I am more, um, I, I didn't went out in pubs. I locked myself in a room and just made the normal family life. It was the food there, everything there. But then... Um, seven o'clock in the evening, you know, I said goodbye. And then I was sitting in my own room and was enjoying my bottle of wine. Fell asleep. Had not a good night's sleep. For sure, you think you would sleep well. Yeah. This is not the way it is. You fall asleep, but that's it. You wake up <laughs> with an hangover headache and then the misery starts again. Yeah. And um, coming over to New Zealand, it was uh, even, you know, barbecues and stuff and seeing people uh, uh, having fun all the time. It was for me like a free ticket, you know, to yeah. drink, even openly drinking then because nobody really was looking how so much. So do you think it's a different drinking culture here? Is Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I have to say that, yeah. Yeah. But hey, it makes it very easier and more understandable. So, you know, and then I was always thinking, oh my goodness me, you know, I am not a bad alcoholic. I am a good one. <laughs> I still, yeah, hey, yeah, sure, you know, still have my job, still have my oh, family, yeah. still have my income, yeah. still have a house, still have my clothes, still have food. What do you need more? This is what you need to live. Yeah. So I am a lucky alcoholic, you know, that I could jump off the wagon in time. If I do know 100%, if I wouldn't jumped off the wagon, I wouldn't have my family anymore. Yeah. I would live perhaps under the bridge. Yeah. You do not know. No. So... And I don't want to paint this future, okay? Yeah. I am not living in this uh, uh, present, and this won't be a future in my future. No drinking at all. So 
I am lucky that I hit my, this is such a nice thing to say, the rock bottom. Yeah. <laughs> and I can tell you what I was praying to my God. I grew up as a Christian and I was asking him in sitting in the garage, help me not to drink, help me not to drink from Monday to Friday. Help me not to drink before this. Help me not to drink, blah, blah, blah. I will do this, and I, I promise this. I, uh, two days later, you are in the same, yeah. you know, you just, this is, it, it's it's repeating and repeating and repeating yeah. and repeating, and there is no, until you get so desperate, because, and then you get so angry, because, my God is not here. Yeah. He is not listening, you know, and I need him. I needed somebody. And um, you, oh, I only can talk my, for myself. I saw that I was not right. My doing was not right, that I hurt my family. Yeah. And I had to really do something really stupid in front of my son, in front of my husband. And this was the point. I was so, so embarrassed yeah. that this happened. Uh, falling into a rose bush in front of my son because I was drunk yeah. and couldn't find a way home. And I, he was so shocked. He cried and yelled, Mom, are you all right? Uh, mom, mom, mom. And this child was how old was he eight nine and it made me and we spoke then and hey you think they don't know it <laughs> they yeah they know it. Isn't it they know it so and when this was happening I was so ashamed the next morning I couldn't look in their faces I couldn't and then um I said, it's no future. It, 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 yeah. I have to change. And we had um, a, a newspaper uh, in the town. And, you know, and there were some numbers in it. And, hey, I opened it and it came up the right page with this number. I said, as long as I can, you ring this number. And I rung this number. Yeah. And then the lady said, you are lucky because I was living in Otago. Very, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not too many meetings but he said lucky you today is a meeting I will wait for you so I went there got my foot in yeah and this was the beginning with my sobriety in 2009 and what was your first meeting like my first meeting I knew that I need help yeah the people there it, be, it was a very small meeting. I would say six, seven people, mm -hmm. older people. They took me into the, you know, hugged me, yeah. said, welcome. And we are here for you. If you want to talk, then you can talk. And I just sat there on the couch and my tears, they broke out. And I just was soaping the whole time. And I, I told them what was happening. And then... They started their sharings, yeah. and it was so, so good to hear that they had the same problem as me, and uh, 
they said, you know, you can do it. And they really gave me hope. Yeah. And they said, you come. And they gave me all the phone numbers. And, you know, from this day on, I was not alone anymore. Because the lady who took me there, she was ringing me the next day, asking me, how are you? And from this day on, you know, I... Google then, and uh, because English, as you know, is not my first language, I got into online meetings, mm -hmm. into German-speaking ones. Yeah, There were no Zoom and stuff like that yet, but just reading then and getting the information and knowing where to look, reading other people's stories uh, gave me a little bit some, yeah, time to think about and to do something not only you know uh, uh, be uh, yeah mad and whatsoever you know I had to do something I was reading reading and reading yeah um, so can you let us know how you managed to stay sober this is um, a, yeah staying sober is uh, going to meetings be in contact with AA members doing a lot of readings. There is so much material and books out of the, out there mm. uh, to stay occupied. I have to say, and huh, the most most important thing was, you have to change your life. Yeah, there is no way that you go back to your old lifestyle. I was as well, you know, no Christmas, no uh, New Year's Eve, no nothing, no birthday parties, no alcohol. How can we survive? What I have had to do myself is just turn around from these people and I closed myself away at least for, <laughs> sounds bad, but at least for a year. Yeah, I was not willing to go anywhere where alcohol was. Yeah. When uh, we had to, my husband was always informed. Right. He was a big help. I had always uh, a plan to go, you know, yeah. that um, I was the sober driver because at the beginning you don't want to say that you have a problem. And um, with the time you learn how to live this new life yeah. and then it's good, you know, there are other people and we have a lot of fun and I laugh a lot, Yeah, you know, really. <laughs> So in comparison to your drinking days, how would you describe the life that you have now? I have a life now. I feel good. I have bad days. Okay, don't get me wrong. Yeah. And um, I can manage uh, problems way better. Uh, don't uh, think only poor me, poor me, poor me. I'm really looking that I can help help, you know, that I, yeah, and see it's not only... Uh, their fault. Uh, what I learned a lot was about myself. <laughs> what I learned as well is to keep my side. This is such a nice saying, keep your side of the street clean. Yeah. It's not that it it's, uh, works every day. You know, uh, I am not uh, a saint and yeah. you won't see a halo, but I am aware when something goes peer-shaped. And I try to just jump in. My life is better. I have a lot of friends. Don't get me wrong. We in AA, we have our 
friendships there. Yeah. I still have friends outside. They know that I have a problem. I can talk about this openly. I have no problems with that, honestly. Yeah. And it, the life is better, 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 better. You know, I'm still alive and I am healthy. Yeah. My liver, oh, she cries. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, hmm? what would you suggest for any listeners who are out there um, and they may think that they have a drinking problem? What advice would you give them? Advice. There's so much out there these days online. I go there, inform yourself. If you think this is not the right way for you, ring, have a look what AA is uh, uh, providing you. Try to activate perhaps a family member or a good friend if you are scared to go by yourself. Mm -hmm. Just get some backup with you, a support person. This is, I think, the most important way to do. And when you have made it the first time into a room, then you will see everything is going by itself. Yeah. And we are there. We are always there. And we listen. And what questions would you get someone to, what questions would you ask somebody to help them decide whether they're alcoholic or not? <laughs> there is a, I can't answer that. I only can uh, uh, tell them my story. You right. know, that's the only thing I can do. It's it's not up to me to make a decision if somebody has a, a disease or not. Uh, I, I, I tell them the story and then they can ask me everything. And then you go from there. Cool. Good. Thank you very much for coming on the show today and sharing your story with us. You're welcome. For our listeners, if you've related to anything you've heard or you'd like more information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or you can call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear more from AA members sharing their experiences. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30 on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesdays at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past show on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening, and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business, but if you want to stop, we can help, and you don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with a serenity prayer, as we do in every AA meeting. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9. Thank you.